0: Father God in heaven, thank you for this beautiful chapter, chapter 26 of the book, The Desire of Ages. And yeah, as we review the most beautiful things here, kindly remind us by our spirit of what you've already taught us as we read this earlier. And may this discussion be a fruitful one. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, friends. We're at Chapter twenty six now of the book The Desire of Ages, and the title for this chapter is at Capernaum. At Capernaum, and you will find the whole chapter. the The what do you call that? The link to the online version. No, not the online. The online resource that you can read. Right. Um. Right in the description. I. Placed a link there. So the title, I mean, again, is a at Capernaum, but the word for this episode that we have chosen, as you might have already read from the title of this episode, it's tender. Tender. And there's a reason for that, of course. There always is a reason for that. But I would Pastor David ashrick actually I think chose the word control. And um, I couldn't remember. But someone also who, I mean, he might have read this or discussed this along with a friend and the other word choice was power, right? And I also noticed as as I was reading this chapter that there were, of course, there was the emphasis of control because, okay, what happened in this setting is that, I, I mean, this is also one of the chapters in the Desire of Ages that doesn't have the you know this chapter is based on these verses because basically this is like a recap of everything. But if there is, but Pastor David ashwick provided a, um, a series. I mean, this. Uh, he said that this was uh, most of the things that happened here happened in. I mean, you can read that in Mark chapter one verses twenty one to thirty nine. I haven't read that. I mean, for the session, but anyway, the thing is. It was also featured here that, you know, the, this chapter featured the story of the demoniac. I mean, the person who was possessed with um, the evil spirit spirit, and Jesus uh, commanded that that evil spirit depart from the person. Now let's, let's just uh, read a few of the opening paragraphs to set the stage for this. So at Capernaum, Jesus dwelt in the intervals of his journeys to and fro so Jesus has been traveling with his disciples and it came to be known as his own city the, the city of Capernaum it was on the shores of the Sea of Galilee and near the borders of the beautiful plain of genesaret if not actually upon it so it was a thoroughfare it was a center it was a place where people traveling uh, would 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 definitely passed by okay and yeah so it, it was adapted to be the center of the savior's work it says here in the book because it's uh, on the highway from damascus to jerusalem and egypt and to the mediterranean sea so it was really a you know it, it was <laughs> it was a central point okay so it was a great thoroughfare of travel and people from many lands passed through the city. So here Jesus was able to reach those who are rich and poor, um, meet people from all nations and ranks. And uh, yeah, so he met the rich, the poor, the lowly, the great people. And his lessons could be carried out to other countries from, um, through people that could listen to Jesus, right? Right. So it's amazing, and yeah, so the attention of the people would be directed to the savior if Jesus worked here, and so Jesus was strategic too. So he he took advantage of that as well. So he often dwelt here. The opening paragraph says that uh, Jesus often dwelt in Capernaum at Capernaum in the intervals of his journeys. Now. Now, it's interesting what what made this so interesting to me and what made me use the word tender instead of control is that the chapter also emphasized how Jesus how Jesus acted, I mean, in front of the people. I mean, how Jesus acted. I mean, not in front of the people in the sense that he doesn't act this way when he's not in front of people. He is consistent, of course. And I just wanted to emphasize that this is how he behaved, all right? So let me read the the best lines that I have gotten from here. Actually, there are so many. So here, um Jesus had nothing to do with the various subjects of dissension among the Jews. So in contrast to the Pharisees and the scribes and how they how they teach people, Jesus spoke with authority, and he doesn't he doesn't delve in in arguments and useless arguments and, and and i mean you know not so significant matters okay so he spoke as one with authority and he brought light upon the scriptures and that's how amazing of him uh, his word shed a flood of light upon the teachings of the patriarchs and prophets and the scriptures came to men a new revelation to so everyone that was that listened to Jesus you know they they. They had, if you will, aha moments while listening to him because as opposed to the way the scribes and the Pharisees taught them, you know, Jesus was speaking with authority and he shed light. He shed light on the scriptures. Also, Jesus met the people on their own ground as one who was acquainted with their perplexities. Now, I'm quoting from the book. He made truth beautiful by presenting it, by presenting it in the most direct and simple way. Yeah, his language was pure, refined and clear as a running stream. His voice was as music to those who had listened to the monotonous tones of the rabbis. I mean, I love that. I mean, how do you make your voice sound like music compared to the monotonous tones of the rabbis? While his teaching was simple, he spoke as one having authority. This was what I was telling you a while ago. This characteristic set his teaching in contrast with that of all the others. So the rabbi spoke with doubt and hesitancy, as if the scriptures might be interpreted to mean one thing or the exact opposite. The hearers were daily involved in greater uncertainty when they listened to the scribes and the Pharisees. But Jesus taught the scriptures as of unquestionable authority, whatever his subject it was presented with power and it, as if his words could not be controverted. Well one thing that I I thought about this is that oh of course because Jesus knew what truth is right so he spoke with authority because he believed in them too. Like he was not just um trying to present theories. He believed in all these things too. And uh, he was earnest. Okay now I love this paragraph too. Yet he, he was earnest rather than vehement. So he was not. He was not angry like that. He was earnest when he explained the scriptures or when he exposed the truth with authority, and he spoke as one who had a definite purpose to fulfill. He was bringing to view the realities of eternal of the eternal world. In everything, in every theme, God was revealed. So remember that one of Christ's biggest purposes coming here on earth and dwelling as a human being as a real human being, is to reveal God's character. And in, in everything that he taught, Jesus revealed God. All right. So Jesus sought to break the spell of infatuation, which which keeps men absorbed in earthly things. So he was lifting people's minds on heavenly things. He spoke as, uh, I'm I'm skipping lines. He spoke as one familiar with heaven, conscious of his relationship to God, yet recognizing his unity with every member of the human family. And his messages of mercy, this is something that I love too, his messages of mercy were varied to suit his audience. So, I mean, yeah, I will just continue because I really love this paragraph too. He knew how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. For grace was poured upon his lips that he might convey to men in the most attractive way the treasures of truth. He was an amazing speaker. He had tact to meet the prejudiced minds so here is a note that i wrote i think i wrote this when we i was reading this along with the da with da the original schedule with david ashrick i say I, i noted here god incarnate was tactful i think this was an insight from david god incarnate was was tactful again he had tact to meet the prejudiced minds and Yeah, surprised them with illustrations that won their attention. So he knew what kind of illustrations to use. Through the imagination, Jesus reached the heart. His illustrations were taken from the things of daily life. So they were relatable, right? So he knew what illustration to use depending on his audience. And wow, so so essentially Jesus was coming to people where they are, meeting people where they are. And that's amazing. Right. So he used the birds and the lilies, the lilies of the field, the, the the seed, the shepherd, the sheep, everything that people can see in their daily surroundings. And every time they see these things, they would now remember Jesus teaching about, uh, I mean, about heavenly things using these illustrations. And that's amazing. And here is also something that we can p- ponder upon. Christ never flattered men. What does that mean? He never spoke that which would exalt their fancies and imaginations. So, so he doesn't, you know, flatter people just to, you know, build themselves up and, you know, make them like him, right? He doesn't do that. He did not praise them for their clever inventions, but deep, unprejudiced, uh, but deep unprejudiced thinkers received his teaching. Right? How? It, it found that it tested their wisdom. So he did not flatter people but those who were really interested were able to you know find this so oh this is uh, what jesus said is quite challenging my understanding and they these people marveled at the spiritual truth expressed in the simplest language jesus had that wisdom and ability to express the deepest spiritual truths using the simplest language and so he had a message for both the wise and also the illiterate and everyone even the heathen even the heathen were brought to the conclusion that you know they had that Jesus this Jesus had a message for them wow and i love this <laughs> this is one of the basis for my decision to use the word tender his tender compassion fell with a touch of healing upon weary soul and troubled hearts upon weary and troubled hearts i love this so jesus had, was so tender so tender, so tenderly expressing her his sorry so tenderly expressing his message to the people. And um, even amid the turbulence of angry enemies, he was surrounded with the atmosphere of peace. Isn't this an amazing person? You know Jesus is attractive, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the be- look at this, okay, this is amazing. The beauty of his countenance, the loveliness of his character, above all, The love expressed in look and tone. So in this chapter, you will see uh, Jesus' teaching and his tone and his temperament, right? You would see here that he has a beautiful countenance, his face, right? He has a beautiful character and there's always love expressed in his tone and his look, right? Okay, and that, all that drew to him all people who were not hardened in unbelief so those who were open so those who were so, so those whose hearts were open were drawn to jesus were attracted to jesus because who would not be attracted to him right and uh, yeah had it not been for this sweet sympathetic spirit so jesus had a sweet sympathetic spirit that shone out in every look and word He would not have attracted the large congregations that he did. So it was because of that. It was because of this sweet, sympathetic spirit. So that's why I chose the word tender, right? And uh, the afflicted ones, everyone who was suffering, who came to Jesus, they felt that he linked his interest with theirs as a faithful and tender friend. There you have it again, the word tender. So he was really a tender friend and they desired to know more of the truths that he taught because of that because he was a friend to them heaven was brought near they longed to abide in his presence that the comfort of his love might be with them continually i sold out so many paragraphs here let me just go through them quickly so jesus watched with deep earnestness the changing countenance countenances of his hearers the faces that expressed interest and pleasure gave him great satisfaction so when he, while he was teaching he was observing the faces of his audience and his countenance lighted up with joy every time he saw in them in these people hopeful subjects for his kingdom so yeah the and uh, that's amazing he 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 observed the crowds that he was teaching he marked the change of countenance and when he saw that there are people who you know were called and they were called in forbidding so so they did not receive his words every time he sees those kinds of people when he saw men refuse the message of peace that he shared his heart was pierced to the very depths what a gentle savior right because he, he knows the cost of salvation and the cost of the gospel so now now um the the second part of this is uh, the the introduction of uh, this uh, the set i mean this event where jesus was uh invited in the synagogue to speak of uh to to speak all right so there he spoke of the kingdom that he had come to establish and then suddenly suddenly okay now you see here the great controversy and now you will see here why power and control were words considered by pastor david ashrick uh as the word for this chapter all right so here there was a madman who rushed in and said um he was crying let us let us uh, alone um what have we to do with thee thou jesus of nazareth art thou come to destroy us i know thee who thou art the holy one of god so that was what the demoniac said okay so now there was confusion among the people people were listening to jesus but there you have this and it was revealed here in the chapter that it was satan's purpose to I mean, to disturb, to disrupt the the work of Jesus. So, yeah, so that's great controversy. And here, in the presence, it was said that in the presence of this person who was possessed by the devil, I mean, in the presence of Jesus, this person who was possessed by the devil found hope that he was before Jesus. He was before the one who could set him free, right? But here is a very interesting thing. Let me just read it. The demoniac partially comprehended that he was in the presence of one who could set him free. But when he tried to come within reach of that mighty hand, another will held him. Another's words found utterance through him. The conflict between the power of Satan and his own desire for freedom was terrible. So he wanted to, to, to say to Jesus, please, please. Oh, help me, set me free. But then other words came out of this mouth because he was controlled by someone else. So he was controlled by someone else, and it's important to emphasize here that Satan is the one who wants to be in control, right? It was also emphasized in this chapter. Let me just read that right now. That God does not control our minds without our consent. So it's the opposite. Satan wants control. Satan wants control. God doesn't. God does not control our minds without our consent. He, God is the author of freedom. But Satan wanted to pervert that, you know, pervert that truth and and say that he's the one who gives freedom. (laughs) But he's the one who actually wants to control people. So, yeah. So Jesus eventually, of course, cast out the devil and set the person free. But here is a backstory. This is so interesting. I really invite you to read for yourself. So, the secret cause of the affliction of that person who was possessed by the devil, by the evil spirit, the, the secret cause was his own life. He was fascinated by the pleasures of sin and he thought to make his life a grand carnival. So he thought that his time could be spent in innocent folly, but once in the downward path, his feet rapidly descended. Intemperance in and frivolity Perverted the noble attributes of his nature, and Satan took absolute control of him. So it started with a compromise, and then it drifted, he drifted down and down, and he went through a downward spiral, and Satan took absolute control of him. And his remorse came too late. So yeah, so so this is what happens with everyone who would yield to the devil. Okay, so the fascinating fascinating pleasure of the early career ends in the darkness of despair or the madness of the urban soul so yeah and, and this same evil spirit is also working among the jews here and uh, yeah yeah and, and here is something interesting the condition of the jewish people here Right. Those who were allowed, the, I mean, who allowed themselves to be controlled by the devil, their condition was more hopeless than that of the demoniac for they feel they felt no need of Christ. Therefore, they were held fast under the power of Satan. So the demoniac had more hope because at least he knows that he wants to be freed, even if it was his fault to be in there. Um, yeah, but, but he doesn't want to be in there anymore once he realized that oh, this is not <laughs> what I signed up for, right? So here is something so interesting as well. Uh, Jesus was revealing to man the character of God and he was breaking Satan's power and his he was setting his captives free. And so Satan wanted to contend with that. He wanted to really win this great controversy. He wanted to make Jesus' life miserable by making the lives of other people miserable right so for ages satan has been seeking control it's amazing and that's what's happening in the great controversy even now that's what's happening so yeah and the one thing it's emphasized here that the word of god is the one thing that you know it was by the word of god that christ overcame the wicked one i mean the the devil and it was also the same thing that will keep us um from the path that satan wants us to be in and to keep us, I mean, make us overcomers against him. So, yeah, and, and it says here that history is repeating. All right, so, so Satan wants to wants to take our attention from God's word, and uh, you know, just follow the traditions of men, right? And uh, yeah, it can lead to the downward spiral. Now, what I want to emphasize here in the last few minutes that we have is this that this hope that i really love too it says here that okay when once the restraints of god's word and his spirit are rejected when we we reject when we reject the warnings uh no man knows to what depths of degradation he may sink really secret sin or master passion may hold him a captive as helpless as was the demoniac of Capernaum. Yet his condition is not hopeless. This is what I love here too. His condition is not hopeless. The means by which he can overcome or we can overcome the wicked one is that by which Christ overcame the power of his word. So this was what I emphasized a while ago that yeah, we can overcome by the power of his word. God does not, okay, here it is again. God does not control our minds without our consent. But if we desire to know and to do his will his promises are ours yeah he shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free if we so desire if any man wills to do his will he shall know of the teaching so anyone who wants to who wills to will know though through faith in these promises every man may be delivered from the snares of the error and the control of sin so sin is controlling right So within it is packaged death, right? So every man is free to choose what power he will have to rule over him. And that is a fact. We all have the freedom of choice. None have fallen so low. This is a promise now. None have fallen so low. None are so vile, but that they can find deliverance in Christ. The demoniac, in place of prayer, could utter only the words of Satan, right? Yet, okay, listen to this. Yet, yet. The heart's unspoken appeal was heard. So in the demoniac, he the demoniac is simply the one who was possessed by the demon, by the devil. Now he he wanted to be set free by Jesus. That's what he wanted to say. But then Satan was controlling him, right? So he uttered other words instead. But but the unspoken plea, God reads hearts, the unspoken plea of that person the heart's unspoken appeal was heard no cry from a soul in need though it fail of utterance in words will be unheeded and that is a promise right i remember this verse i um, mean the spirit helps us with groanings that cannot be uttered right this yeah so so the spirit helps us even in our prayers when we can't utter we, we don't have the right word i mean We can't think of the words to say because we're so down in the dumps, right? Even the unspoken plea is heard. And that is a promise. Jesus says, it's a promise here. Let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me and he shall make peace with me. So that is a promise. So this is really amazing. This is a beautiful chapter and invite you to read through it. And let me just say, I mean, mention a few more lines here that are amazing um yeah so jesus was a tender such a tender sa- savior the savior was joyful in the joy that he had awakened among the people right when when he healed them all right so see so here you see jesus laboring i mean he was ministering to the to the to this uh, to this demonic in particular and before that he was ministering to people he was healing them teaching them and after this uh, demoniac episode, there also he healed Peter's mother, and after that, even after that, he was healing people. Multitudes of people were just coming to him, and so yeah, it says here, not until the last sufferer had been rev- had been relieved did Jesus cease his work. Not until the last sufferer. So everyone, like he finished everyone. <laughs> I mean, he he finished the line i mean he taught every i mean he healed everyone that was lining up for his healing right so but even then there's something that i love here too even then so so it went i mean that was <laughs> it took so long right so they they were able to rest late okay but then here's one thing that's so nice and important too the long and exciting day was passed and jesus sought rest because he's human, right? Okay, but while the city was still wrapped in slumber, the Savior rising up a great while before day went out, and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. So you see that even if he slept late, right, he would—he did not fail to wake up and just, you know, even—I mean, even while the people are still sleeping, his disciples are still sleeping when everything was still quiet he went to the mountain to a solitary place and there he prayed he did not fail in his communion with god because with the father because that is to him so so important especially with the work that he's doing right now he really needs that strength all right so that's amazing now now the last thing here is that Okay, while so many people are being drawn to Jesus, the last emphasis here, which also re-emphasizes the word tender, is that Jesus, okay, so 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 and the disciples were now excited about about the reception of the people from Capernaum. In other cities, they were rejected. Okay. So now they hope that, okay, um, maybe, maybe in Capernaum, we could see people who will support the new kingdom. Remember that the context of the new kingdom that they were looking for is a kingdom that will, you know, something that's a physical kingdom, a I mean, earthly kingdom, right, that will overthrow the Roman power. That was still what they're thinking about. But Jesus said, Okay, they were surprised about Jesus' response. Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. So here, the reason is expounded here. It says that Jesus, did he, he was not satisfied to attract attention to himself merely as a wonder worker, a healer. So he wanted to prevent the thought. I mean, people were clamoring to come to him because they wanted to be healed and here's a wonder worker. And he doesn't want people... To be blindsided by that, you know, but by that thinking that he's just that the Jesus that he is just a wonder worker or a miracle miracle worker, because that will you know that will keep them from realizing his real his real mission, right? So, and he doesn't want the homage that the world gives to position, wealth, or talent, because people are looking up to him like that now at this point, and he's amazing. So it says there here that. Um, The life of Jesus, there was no noisy disputation, no ostentatious worship, no act to to gain applause ever witnessed. He was the son of righteousness that that did not burst uh, right then and there noonday. Okay, He is quietly and gently, like the daylight, breaks upon the earth, dispelling the shadow of darkness. So that's Jesus. That's Tender. That's amazing. And we will close this chapter because we, <laughs> the anchor recording is not going to finish. I hope that you would read the, the whole chapter, right? Because it's amazing. Jesus is tender. Jesus will heal. Jesus will deliver. He is a tender Savior. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for being a tender Savior. Thank you, Father, for sending your son Jesus. And if we are in a place right now where we need help, help us to come to Jesus just as we are because he will eventually deliver us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.